on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. For the last time in 2023, welcome in. I'm Dominic Catronio. Brewers Weekly on this December the 28th. Thanks for joining us here tonight uh, as you get ready to wrap up the calendar year. Quick programming note, next week, no live show. Got a couple of Bucks conflicts on both Wednesday and Thursday night, so no Brewers Weekly next week. That will be our week off, so we're going to squeeze one in one more time here at the end of December. Well, we're going to take a little look down memory lane. We're gonna, I've got some fun little superlatives, uh, truly arbitrary. I made them up, so stick with me coming up a little bit later. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that quiz that I shared last week, the holiday quiz and the inspiration behind it with Tyler Kepner's quiz. Uh, also going to talk uh, a little bit about the bullpen. I think uh, something that we, we kind of go unnoticed because bullpen deals are never really that sexy. And we saw the headline today that Josh Hader wants Edwin Diaz money. We'll talk a little bit about that and how it what it may mean for Devin Williams moving up down the road. And, of course, we're going to talk uh, around the league, you know, a lot of – takes about what the Dodgers are doing right now and what else, what's to come of baseball in the future. So we'll, we'll jump into some of that uh, throughout the program here tonight. And uh, if you want to join us, 855-616-1620. Once again, that is 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank talking text line, Old National Bank, get old. Let's uh, start, though, first as uh, most sports folks across the Milwaukee, Wisconsin Landscape have does done so. Want to send for all of us here at WTMJ and with the Brewers as well. Send our condolences to Herb Cole's family. Uh, of course, Herb Cole passed away uh, just yesterday at 88 years old. Former Milwaukee Bucks owner, former childhood friend out of Sherman Park of uh, of Bud Selig. Of course, roommates at Wisconsin. We all know the story by now of uh, his connection to the city and. His role as a senator in our great state and what he was able to do, going 72 for 72, winning every single county in the state, never lost an election. Uh, from all accounts, obviously, I never met the man. And from all accounts, from people that have interacted with Mr. Herb Cole, they say that he was just a gentleman, a kind soul. And uh, it's just kind of shocking that he was a millionaire. You know, people would forget. You know, you hear the name Cole in uh, in Wisconsin, you do a double take. So I uh, want to wish his family all the best because, uh, obviously, a tough day to lose a life around the holiday season. So Herb Cole passes at 88 years old. I thought Bud Selig statement was terrific uh you can go read that on online as well milwaukee journal sentinel did a great job with all their coverage uh in his obituary and in his uh lasting legacy that for, for all counts i mean it's a positive one not not just you know with what he did with the bucks but you know being able to represent the state the way he did and uh loving sports the way that he was a rabid baseball fan and adam McCalvey reshared it this week but how the brewers got their name he brings up the 1900 formation of the American League and how uh, the early days of the Brewers and the Braves uh, back in the Milwaukee Braves days that both Bud Selig and Herb Cole were huge fans of the Braves back in the day. So uh, wish them all the best as that was the, a big news in Milwaukee this week. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about what happened this week for the Brewers in their regard. And you may be thinking to yourself, Tom, what, what are you talking about? What did they do this week? You're right. Absolutely nothing. 
So, reminder, it was a holiday this week. Not much is going to generally happen. Think about you at work. You're not very productive this week. Don't lie to me. You're not productive. Nobody's productive this week because of the way that, you know, the, the, the holiday fell. So Monday and Monday, and then you're right back to work on Tuesday. Yeah, that stinks, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So no one's working this week. That includes generally in the uh, baseball world as well, and maybe some activity will pick up here coming up after New, New Year's this time next week. And I, I see the discourse, and we talked about it in last week's show as well, about first base. W- what is taking the Brewers so long about first base? And as of now, Jake Bowers seems to be taking the share with the split of Owen Miller. I, I just, I, I don't, you know, with all due respect to those two guys, as I've said over and over, I just don't see that as being plan A. I just don't. I, I think that's more of a, a plan B, maybe even a plan C. They may be eyeing somebody like a Reese Hoskins, like a reunion with Carlos Santana. I don't see them going after Brandon Belt just for the sake of the left-handedness, and you've already got a lefty in Jake Bowers. Uh, the switching ability of Santana, the defense fits the bill too. I think it makes perfect sense. He made uh, $7 million last year. I don't see why he wouldn't be worth that again this year, $6 million, something like that. There's room in the budget, as we've talked about over and over and over again. But I, I wouldn't panic about the lack of movement this week in regards to the uh, Brewers' outlook right now. And and another thing to look at, and we're going to talk about this in the bullpen in the next segment, uh, pitching-wise, they're kind of set. You know, I'm continuing to operate with the assumption that Corbin Burns is coming back. That's how I am going to operate. Until there is a trade, we will react to that. But I am going to operate like Corbin Burns is your opening day starter in 2024. So let's just run through it again. I know we talked about it last week, but let's just run through it again. Here's your starting five. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley, Colin Ray, and then insert Joe Ross or Robert Gasser for that 5-6 role, and then TBDs to Jansen Junk and to Aaron Ashby because Ashby's coming back to health. Jansen Junk, he hit 96. In fact, Kurt Hoke had a great story on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today talking about the adjustments that Jansen Junk made, what kind of a factor he could play in the big league uh, rotation pitching staff next season. I uh, really enjoyed that article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I, I, so your starting rotation seems pretty set, right? And, and you remember, you've still got Carlos Rodriguez on the way. You've still got Jacob Mizrowski on the way. So you've got two other you know, top half starters. Hopefully, that's their ceiling, some folks would say. Mizrowski maybe even a one or a two. Uh, on their way in the organization, hopefully in the upper levels of the minors by the end of the year. Maybe even Rodriguez is a big leaguer by the end of the year, too. But then you look at the bullpen, and we'll go into detail on this in the next segment. The bullpen's locked out. Uh, there's there's no space. I, I mean, sure, you can get a couple more arms to make some room. But in my opinion, if the season started tomorrow, this is barring an injury that we don't know about yet. You know, Devin Williams is your closer. Yoel Pioms is your eighth-inning guy. Abner Uribe and Elvis Peguero will split the seventh inning, depending on the matchup, depending on where they're at. Uh, your fireman is still Hobie Milner. He's probably going to be the first guy called out, gets that situational lefty at bat, try to get the pinch hitter or whatever. He's still your fireman. Uh, Trevor McGill, I got some really shocking numbers on him and how good he was. He's probably your situational righty. You've got a long man in, in Bryce Wilson, and that just leaves Aaron Ashby on the outside looking in because that's eight relievers right there. So, then you still you've acquired Taylor Clark. You've still got guys on the forty man like Ashby, like Chiago Vieira, like Ethan Small, like JB Bukowskis, like Clayton Andrews. I mean, there there's just not much room on the pitching side on the forty man that is. So when you're wondering why isn't anything happening, 
really the only thing left for the Brewers to figure out is first base because they've signed their backup catcher in Eric Haas. I still believe it's a platoon at third base between Andrew Monasterio and Tyler Black. I don't see the Brewers being players in the third base market, not that there is a very big market there. They don't want to create a blockage for Tyler Black after he spent all of 2023 learning a new position. So I see a platoon there, Monasterio being a, a bit of a utility man. Miller can even play a little bit of third base if needed. Uh, he's probably going to play a little bit of first base too. But shortstop, it's Adamas. Second base, it's either Oliver Dunn or Bryce Terang. First base, TBD, as we've mentioned. The outfield's got too many guys, and the catching is locked in. So that's part of the reason why not much is happening, because there's really, if we're being honest, one thing left to do on the checklist, and that's figure out what you actually want to do at first base. So I would encourage folks to stop panicking. Uh, There's always a plan. I, I really, as I said, this is this can't be Plan A. I would be shocked if a Bowers Miller platoon would be Plan A. We've been wrong before. We'll be wrong again. But that's how I see things right now. Let's get a little more specific with the bullpen coming up next. Again, we're with you until nine o'clock tonight here on WTMJ. We got bullpen. We got superlatives. Uh, we got to look around the league as well. Eight five five six one six one six twenty again. Eight five five six one six. 1620, you can text in, you can call in on the old National Bank Talk and text line. Stay with us. More to come after this on WTMJ. Hello again. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed all the content we put out this week uh, for your holidays and for these lulls of days over the weekend. Uh, We're going to go over that holiday quiz that I posted. That's still available on WTMJ.com or on my Twitter at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotronio, Dom underscore Cotronio. You can find all that there. Let me know how you did. 40 really hard questions for bragging rights. So uh, the highest score I saw, I I believe I saw a 33 out there. So uh, I don't do any data mining on this. I don't, you know, you don't need to put in your name or there's no leaderboard or anything like that. But I can just see what the best scores are. And the the best score I saw, I believe, was a 33. So kudos to that person, whoever did that. Uh, Let's uh, talk a little bit more specifically about the bullpen. And just a reminder of how things stand right now with the Brewers bullpen. Virtually all of them are coming back, okay? It's pretty much locked and loaded. Not even all of them are arbitration are eligible yet. Uh, guys like Hobie Milner, they're in L- uh, arbitration. Uh, guys like Devin Williams is in arbitration. Uh, you've also got uh, Taylor Clark, who's technically in arbitration after he was acquired from the Royals. Uh, the, the, Bryce Wilson will be entering his first year of arbitration. Yoel Piams is in his first year of arbitration. But then other guys, you know, Trevor McGill, not yet eligible for arbitration. Abner Uribe, a rookie. Elvis Peguero, a rookie. So those guys still uh, getting near league minimum and something like that. And obviously, Devin Williams is certainly due for a raise this year. And what kind of money is he going to be getting? He's still got two years of team control remaining. So... Folks like to freak out whenever you see the maybe if you use spot rack, like, wait, wait, wait why isn't he signed? Why, why, why is he free? He's not a free agent. He's arbitration. So he's got this year and 2025 with the Brewers. He will be a free agent heading into his age uh, 31 season uh, for the 2026 season. Uh, this year, this past year, I should say, he in arbitration. Uh, I believe he made four million dollars or three point three million dollars. Beg your pardon, three point three million dollars. He's certainly due for a raise on that. That was settled before arbitration. They didn't actually go to court on that one. That was an agreed upon figure for this season. I imagine they will come to a agreement. At least five million dollars is the projection I saw. Probably going to be more than that. But you may have seen the headline that Josh Hader 
is commanding Edwin Diaz money. As a, you know, as a Brewers fan, you know how this works. Maybe you have a great talent like a Josh Hader. You trade him maybe a little too soon, and people get a little freaked out and all this. I get it. We're not going to go there. We're not going to rehash it. But what does this mean for Devin? Okay, a, a reminder that Edwin Diaz, while he missed all of last season with the uh, blown-out knee from the celebration for Team Puerto Rico, uh, he got three years guaranteed and $64 million. He's, still, he's heading into the second year of that three-year guarantee. But then he's got two years of a player option worth $18.5 million in both 2026 and 2027. And then it's a team option worth $20.4 million for the final year, his age 34 season in 2028. So the first thing, I remind folks that Edwin Diaz signed this deal ahead of his age 29 season. Devin will be a free agent at his age 31 season. As for Josh Hader, of course, he has been one of the best closers in baseball, as we know. Josh is 29, turning 30 the week after opening day. So virtually the same timing as Edwin Diaz, maybe a touch older. If he's going to get $102 million, uh, I don't know how long his deal is going to be because that's, you know, Edwin Diaz in theory is in control of five years of his of his deal, right? He's in control. He gets three guaranteed years, two player options, and then a team option. I, I don't see Josh Hader taking anything less than five years guaranteed to him. So maybe there's a team option on there in the sixth year as well. And I, I was just making this comment to a friend the other day. I'm shocked that with all this movement, you know, everyone was waiting on Otani and everybody was waiting on Yamamoto and everybody's waiting on, on Shohei. And it's just like, well, well, why would you wait on Josh Hader? And I get it. They're, he's a Scott Boris client. He's trying to wait out and get as much money as he can. That's what they do. But, I, I mean, there's a lot of teams that need a closer, and it seems like the Texas Rangers would be a perfect fit. And then the whole TV money becomes an issue. We can talk about that once the dust has settled on that coming up in January. But that's certainly an issue to think about with the Rangers, and they're one of the teams that's on the cutting block for Diamond Sports, which is why things get hairy for him. But preparation of saying in two years when Devin Williams is going to be a free agent, depending on what he does over these next two years, is he going to join them as nine-figure closers? I don't know. I mean, as, at the current rate, maybe. I mean, he'll be a little older than those two guys when he reaches free agency. But if he continues on the path he's on right now, I, I don't see a reason where the numbers would not support him being a nine-figure closer, just like those other guys. But let's talk about this current bullpen, right? I gave you a list of what I see for the Brewers and how Aaron Ashby sort of sits on the outside looking in. Jansen Junk also sits on the outside looking in as of right now. And again, I encourage you to read that great story in the Journal Sentinel today. Uh, from Kurt Hogue about breaking down the year that was for Jansen Junk and how important he was to the Brewers uh, that last day of the year and how versatile he was uh, in AAA. But my thought with the bullpen, I, this was quietly, I mean, it shouldn't be quietly because everybody knows this is what the Brewers do so successfully. They're one of the best at creating value in the bullpen. I mean, look at this. So Trevor McGill was essentially a, a flyer, right? Taken from the Twins. Like, Twins didn't, didn't want him. They couldn't fix him. The Brewers, for a little bit, looked like they couldn't fix him. Then he comes back in July, and he's got this hammer curveball, adjusted the grip on it, pairing well with his elevated fastball, and it's, and it's gnarly. It's fantastic stuff. Fun fact, Trevor McGill threw more triple-digit pitches than Abner Uribe this year by one. Now, granted, a little larger sample size than Abner Uribe, to be fair. But 
Trevor McGill threw 161 triple-digit pitches. Uh, Abner Uribe threw 160. Whereas previously in Brewers history, since pitch tracking began in 2008, there were 48 such pitches combined in Brewers history that were at least triple digits. And this season alone, this season alone, there were 321 from two guys, Trevor McGill and Abner Uribe. So those two guys aren't even pitching the eighth or ninth inning for you. That's how deep this bullpen is. The 100-mile-an-hour guys don't even pitch in high leverage yet. Well, it's leverage, but not the ninth-inning high leverage. That's a, an embarrassing, embarrassing riches. A reminder, they have the eighth-fewest innings in baseball pitch. That's, of course, a testament to their great starting pitching and how deep they were going. Uh, they had this, the 11th-best K per nine. They had 11th-fewest walks per nine. They had the second-best batting average on balls in play at 273. They had the second-best uh, bullpen unit ERA. That was at 3.40. Then they had the the, uh, the best ERA minus, which is a rate stat. Whenever, you know, we talk about WRC plus, we talk about OPS plus, you know, you always hear the plus because that's always graded on 100 and anything above 100 is considered above league average. Well, whenever you see a minus on one of these rate stats, it means anything below 100 is considered better than league average because it's generally going to be a pitching stat. So this one, ERA minus, they had a 78 ERA minus, which means they were 22 points better in league-wide, park-factored, situational, hitting environments, basically, where it all gets leveled out to zero. So you can grade somebody on ERA minus in Colorado and in New York, right? It's all the same. They were the best bullpen in baseball by that stat, 22 points better than league average. And furthermore... They had another advanced stat that I tried to educate you all on called win probability added. Basically saying, all right, how many times did you get outs that added to your win probability? How many times did you give up hits or gave up options that worsened your win probability? You subtract the difference and see if you end up in a positive, you did something well. They had plus 11 points of win probability added. It doesn't mean they won 11 more games. You could argue that 0 and 11, there is an argument there, but that was also the best in baseball. So they were getting in and out of leverage with success. And that's what you ask for from a bullpen. And furthermore, the bullpen is coming back as we just laid out. There is so much to be excited about from this bullpen heading into 2024. And there's still depth to draw from. You've still got Ashby. You've still got junk. Maybe you'll see Mizorowski at some point by the end of the year. They probably won't rush a star like that. We'll probably see Rodriguez at some point if need be. And then you never know who's going to pop up and having a great year in AAA. The Vieras, the Bukowskises, the all those sort of guys. Now, there are some options and stuff that we got to talk about. Like, Vieira doesn't have any options remaining. Uh, I don't believe Bukowskis has any options remaining either. But you get the point. The Brewers have some depth in the bullpen right now. But you think you have depth, and then you blink, and all of a sudden you don't have depth. So guys like Taylor Clark might be on the outside looking in, but maybe the Brewers know something that we don't know yet and why they feel they may need him heading into the 2024 season. All that to be decided in about, oh, 50-ish days when pitchers and catchers are already throwing and back in American Family Fields of Phoenix, where I am right now. I am in Phoenix right now, back home for the holidays. So uh, it's going to be right around the corner. Before we know it, it's uh, the bullpen is pretty darn good. So a lot to be excited about from those guys. Let's take a quick breather. Uh, we're going to come back with a look around baseball and reacting to the Yoshinobu Yamamoto signing, uh, his press conferences, Otani, the Dodgers, all of that. All that's coming up next right here on WTMJ. Hopefully you don't hear that song again heading into the 2024 season when the Brewers are in Los Angeles. Of course, 
the Dodgers' victory song, Randy Newman. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for joining us here on WTMJ at the bottom of the hour. We've got another 30 minutes of Brewers talk here until 9 o'clock this evening. So let's talk about those Dodgers. I mean, what an offseason they've had. And they made it official with Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, announced him in a press conference just yesterday. Uh, they already signed Shohei Otani. They are a super team, to say the least. Seems like, uh, oh, and they traded for Manny Margot and Tyler Glass now. Trading from their lux of uh, pitchers in Ryan Pepio getting over to the Tampa Bay Rays. And then quickly signing Tyler Glass now to an extension. Uh, they're getting Gavin Lux back. Uh, they've still got talent with James Outman in center. They re-signed Jake, uh, uh, Jason Hayward. They've got Mookie Betts playing second base because why not? They're they're ridiculous. They're a super team. And here's what I tell you. Cool. Good for them. Okay? They have a lot of money. They're using it. And yet they haven't won a full season World Series since 1988 when Kirk Gibson hit a home run off of Dennis Eckersley on a backdoor 3-2 slider. Okay? I, I just... Cool. Super teams don't always win in baseball. And the team that won the offseason last year was the New York Mets. That crashed and burned. The team that won the offseason in 2022 was the San Diego Padres. How did that work out? That They made it to the NLCS, but then got beat by the Phillies. So just because you win the offseason, quote-unquote, does not mean you're going to win the actual season. I understand the thoughts of, oh, the game's unfair, unbelievable. They can just spend a, you know, $150 million on five players, and that's the, and another team's entire payroll. You're right. That's crazy. But you know what? The Dodgers and the Brewers are just not the same. Okay, it's not fair to act like they're the same. They're just not. Smallest media market, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, less than a million people. I know you got all of the state. I get that. It's not the same. The Dodgers are a national brand. The Yankees are a national brand. The Red Sox are a national brand. The Cubs are a national brand. I'll get to the Cubs. Don't worry. The Braves are a national brand, or at least a massive regional brand. Uh, And to a certain extent, the Giants, maybe not really anymore. So there aren't that many national brands that you could really compare to each other. I don't even want to say the Mets are a national brand. right? I, I know they play in New York, but they're not a national brand. There's Mets fans everywhere, obviously. Compare them to that. You know, the Brewers' success comes from dominating their lane. And their lane is maximizing their dollars, getting return on investment, getting, you know, the unsung heroes and maxing out their abilities while they have them, right? We know they're not going to extend Corbin Birds. We know that. He knows that. The Brewers know that, okay? They're still going to use them and say, go get your money. Go prove how good of a starter you are. We'd love for you to be doing that with the Brewers. That's how I feel. The game's played on the field, not on the checkbook. Let's see what happens in 2024. If they rattle off like three out of four World Series, good for them. That's what they wanted to do. The Astros have made a dynasty doing it the homegrown way down in, down in Houston by tearing it all down and building it back up. They have that ability with their ownership, okay? It's not a blame on ownership for the Brewers, in my opinion. It's a simple math problem. The dollars coming in will never match the dollars coming in for some of those national brands. So stop comparing yourself to that. Comparison will kill you. You will be fine. You are still a talented team. And how much more fun would it be to be David versus Goliath with the, the Diamondbacks just went in there and made them spend a billion dollars on two guys after winning three straight games against the Dodgers? Okay, it can happen anytime, anywhere. Speaking of those Diamondbacks, you know, if it wasn't for the Dodgers, we'd be talking about how great of an offseason the Diamondbacks have had. Very quietly, the NL champs 
went and re-signed Lotus Gurriel Jr. this week. They traded for Eugenio Suarez a month ago. Weird move by the Mariners, but they've got two years of control at third base for Eugenio. Some power bats, some veteran leadership, clubhouse guy. They've also got another year of Paul Seawalt in his final year of arbitration. And, and lo and behold, they went and signed a free agent in Eduardo Rodriguez, Erod. So now their starting four is Zach Gallen, Erod, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, and then TBD for the five and the six. That's great stuff. I, they've had a great offseason, but the Dodgers have obviously overshadowed them. The Giants left at the altar again. They signed Korean superstar. We'll see how that works out for them. But it, all the action's really been happening out west. The Braves, their roster's set. The Yankees traded for Juan Soto. Cool, but they still got Giancarlo. They also got Trent Grisham in that deal. Who's playing center? Judge is playing center? Oh, man. Uh, now the Blue Jays re-signed Kevin Kiermaier, which seems to signal they're out on Cody Bellinger because he can play center field. When's Cody going to sign? Are the Cubs going to re-sign him? And that brings me to the Cubs. The Cubs have not signed or traded for any big leaguer this offseason, period. They have not traded for one. They have not uh, signed one in free agency. Zero. They have done nothing since they acquired Craig Council, since they signed him to the largest deal for a manager ever. And I was looking back at the transaction log. By this time last year, they had already signed Jameson Tyone. They had already signed Dansby Swanson. And they were getting all the pieces in place. They were getting Tucker Barnhart. They were... You know, making room on the roster. They were acquiring guys off waivers like Jordan Montgomery, or not Jordan Montgomery, I beg your pardon, but um, the reliever whose name's escaped me, Jer- Julian Merriweather. They acquired him off waivers, and that turned out to be a really important piece for their bullpen. So Mark Leiter Jr., in his year, they you know kept making room for him off the roster. He was DFA'd, and everybody had a chance for him. He stayed on the team, and he was important for them down the stretch. So I'm shocked the Cubs haven't done anything, but again, I think this is a scenario where the players they are flirting with are waiting out for as much money as possible. I'm sure they're in play for Hader. I know they're in play for Bellinger. And they should be in play for Matt Chapman. And they should be in play for any other high-leverage reliever because they need a lot of help in that bullpen. So I wonder. I really do wonder what the Cubs are waiting for because, as I said previous shows, I still believe Brewers, as of now, are the best team. The Reds are right there. The Cardinals are right there, depending on which Cardinals we're going to see. The Pirates are getting better. We got our old friend Rad Telez, Keep Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz will be back, uh, Mitch Keller. We'll probably see Paul Skeens at some point in the big leagues this year, too. So look out for the Pirates. I think they're closer than people give them credit for. Anyway, that's a look around the league. I, I, not much has happened. This is always a quiet week in baseball. Just let it be, okay? I think we're going to get a lot of movement here in these first two weeks of January. I really do. It's time. You know, guys got to get on throwing programs, guys going to make sure. Teams are healthy and ready to go for the 2024 season. And finally, truly, for the first time since 2019, we have a normal off, a normal spring training, right? You know, 2020 gets interrupted by the pandemic. 2021, still dealing with COVID. 2022, lockout. 2023, World Baseball Classic. So for the first time since 2019, we have a normal spring training. No World Baseball Classic. Nothing crazy to worry about. No lockouts or anything. So I'm really excited to see what that will produce for this year. Uh, take a breather. I'm going to give out some superlatives here. Some completely made up, nonsensical, but fun moments from the 2023 season. That's coming up next. If you want to join us, it's 855-616-1620. Again, 855 616 
1-620, the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Stay with us. I'm Dom Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm laughing because I'm watching the Kansas State football team eat a Pop-Tart. They won the Pop-Tart Bowl down in Orlando. Go Cats. Shout out. My sister's alma mater. I'm Dominic Catronio, Brewers Weekly, continuing on another 20 minutes or so here on the show. All right. I'm just going to make up some superlatives here for the 2023 season, looking back on some of the stats and oddities that I liked from this season. Let me start, number one, with the Unexpected Rookie Award. This is not a member of the freshman, not anybody that we had any pub or hub of a loo about heading into the season, and turned out to be a very important rookie heading into the year. And that's easily Andrew Monasterio. Remember his first 12 games? He had a 758 OPS out of nowhere. Then he was in and out of the lineup just being the utility guy, then injuries and Brian Anderson getting hurt, and just was always available, just always kept getting new life. I mean, he was initially brought up when Willie Adamas got his concussion from the foul ball from Brian Anderson. So all of this was taking your opportunity and running with it. And there was a stretch where he played in 34 straight games to start the second half because nothing was stable for the infield. And during those 34 games, he hit 250. He played solid enough defense. He was very good at third. I really liked what Andre Monasterio had to bring this year. He's my unexpected rookie award this year. My triple-digit award, the fastest pitch of the year, was by Avery Rive. And ironically enough, he threw a pitch 103.3 miles an hour on a day that it was 103 miles an hour. Remember this? August 23rd, the hot day against the Twins. Hottest day of the year. We had the roof mostly closed, just trying to provide shade. It was 114 heat index in some places. It was burning. I went down to the field before the game that day. Oh, it was burning. Uh, Corbin Burns pitch. Brewers won the game. Bryce Terang walk off infield single. But Uribe threw 103, and the temperature was 103. Pretty wild stuff to say in Wisconsin, of all places. Next award is called the Streaker. Who had some streaks this year to note? William Contreras. I found this nugget looking through my, my uh, trivia research. Oh, we got a, applause there from Matt Sauce. I appreciate it, our producer here on WTMJ. So William Contreras, we're going streaking. He ended the game on an 18 ended the year, I should say, on an 18-game hitting streak. He also had three other double-digit hitting streaks. So he had four total 10 or more hitting streaks this season, joining him and Nathaniel Lowe as the only players with such feats in the 2023 season. So William Contreras is the streaker of 2023. The next award is the Off the Street Award. How did the Brewers find this guy? How did it work out? I, expectations were at an all-time low. Julio Tehran. Remember his first six starts? How ridiculous he was? Four quality starts, a 1.53 ERA, and yet he was 2-2. Two and two. The Brewers scored 0, 4, 0, 1, 5, 1 run total in those starts. Don't ask about the rest of the season for Julio Tehran, but those first six starts, man, wow. Off, off the street, he wins that award, to say the least. In a similar vein... Wait, that guy pitched for the team award? Both Alex Claudio and Tom Pannoni pitched in the one game each in the big leagues this year. I couldn't tell you the game or the month or anything. Baseball reference tells me so, so I treat it as a fact. So Tom Pannone and uh, Alex Claudio. Wait, he was on the team award. The stat that that's just baseball award. The Brewers were swept by the Oakland A's at home. And they swept the eventual World Series champion Texas Rangers in Arlington. Because that's just baseball, Susan. And that is our superlatives 
for the 2023 season. Completely made up, just stuff I came up with looking back through my research. Thank you for the laugh track, for the fun times there, Matt Sonsley. Talk a little bit about the quiz and some of the results from all that as well. That's up next on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is Archbishop Listecki. At Christmas time, Jesus comes into the world with a mission to sacrifice his life so that we might have life everlasting. As Catholics, we're spreading the word about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Jesus gives himself to us when the bread and wine become his body and blood during Mass. There is no greater gift we could possibly receive. So join us at Mass and experience the sacrifice of Jesus in the Eucharist. Merry Christmas. Step out of your kitchen tonight and enjoy a free dinner at the historic Fox and Hound Supper Club. Voted the best supper club in the area. WTMJ's John Mercure here. It's one of the most gorgeous and affordable supper clubs to visit during the holiday season. When you buy one dinner, you get a second dinner free. Desserts, my favorite part of the meal, are also buy one, get one free. Order your favorite seafood, steak, pasta, anything on the menu, including the steak and lobster, and your second dinner's free. Sip on a delicious old-fashioned Manhattan bourbon. They've got 100 wines, tap beers to accent your dinner. The Fox and Hounds has been transformed into a winter wonderland with thousands of lights, decorations, Christmas characters inside and out. It is a must-see. You'll feel the warmth of those seven real wood-burning fireplaces as soon as you walk in the door. The Fox and Hounds, just off Highway 167, two miles east of the famous Holy Hill Shrine. The drive is beautiful. Weekends may be too busy for some. Enjoy your free dinner tonight. And the Friday Fish Fry is all you can eat. Foxandhoundsrestaurant.com. Just like most cars and trucks can't run without oil, no person can function without food. That's why, through the end of February, the Auto Dealers of Metro Milwaukee is contributing $1 from every oil change to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. Every dollar provides three healthy meals. Over the past 13 years, Adam has provided more than 2.4 million meals to people in southeastern Wisconsin. And now, the need is greater than ever. Find a participating Adam dealer near you at ADAMM.com. Siding Unlimited named the best window installers, not just here, but in the whole USA. Get the best. Siding Unlimited, three-time winner as America's best window installer. For windows, you call Siding Unlimited first and directly. SidingUnlimited.com. Talk a little bit about the quiz we put out this week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Don Catronio. First in the text line, Ricky and Honey Creek, huge Brewers fan. They're not doing anything yet. I disagree. I just told you why they're not doing anything yet, Ricky, but it's still early in the offseason. Uh, I, I would say after the new year, we're no longer early in the offseason. It was uh, it was a time that we acquired William Contreras and Yoel Piams this time last year. Why don't we make a trade for Matt Chapman? Well, he's a free agent. Matt Kepler, the Brewers are full in the outfield. Jorge Polanco, cool. I don't see the Twins trading him because they need him. Uh, we really need to fix our first base. I agree. Second base, I'm a big fan of Oliver Dunn. I'm, a, see, I'm intrigued to see what he can do in spring training. Third base, I think, is going to be Tyler Black, though, Ricky. Uh, and, and that's where we need some help. Maybe we add Blake Snell rotation. Uh, that's not going to happen, Ricky. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Blake Snell, if the Brewers can't even afford their one-time Cy Young Award winner, they're not going to afford a two-time Cy Young Award winner who is reportedly commanding over $200 million. So appreciate the text, Ricky. I agree with you on first base, but this team looks pretty darn good right now, and we'll see what happens for 2024. This quiz was a big hit, I think. Uh, over 100 people responded. I appreciate all of you guys for having some fun. Uh, a few of my fun questions that I really enjoyed – Relit, like looking back at the Tommy Harper season in 1970, a season I knew nothing about, obviously. You know, I knew plenty about 81, 82, 87, 
some of those, you know, 2007, 2008, some of those fun fan teams. Like that first year, I knew nothing about that first team in the Brewers. And Tommy Harper had one of the best seasons in franchise history in 1970, very, very quietly. That was a fun one. The Dave Winfield question was a fun one. Who was picked right after Robin Yao in the MLB draft? It was Dave Winfield. You know, back-to-back Hall of Famers in the first round. That's really, really ridiculous. People had some fun with the home runs at each position. Uh, I stomped a few people. I think right field was the hardest one. Uh, You know, as I went through this and I tried to name them off in my head before I actually did the research for it, and I missed third base and I missed right field. Uh, Everything else I got right. And I also missed the DH because I didn't know where to begin with the DH. But the DH answer was Paul Molitor, which makes sense. Uh, Don Money was the third baseman, barely ahead of Paul Molitor. And, and then uh, Jeremy Burnitz was the right fielder. A lot of folks picked Corey Hart for that one. Obviously not the right answer. Uh, an, another one that stumped a lot of people was name the five managers that played or coached in the big leagues for the Brewers before their current stops. So you got the obvious one, like uh, Craig Council and Mark Katze and Stephen Vogt. But there are two others that I think people didn't quite know about. David Bell ended his playing career with the Brewers, and Bob Melvin was a bench coach back in uh, 1999 and 2000 with the Brewers. So uh, pretty wild to say that he technically was where he was a front office member when Sal Bando was running the team. So uh, pretty wild, small world. And where all that came about. So five managers, David Bell, Craig Council, Mark Kotze, Bob Melvin, and Stephen Vogt. Had some fun with the Ryan Braun stuff in there too. Uh, Jeff D'Amico, yes, that's a name you haven't heard in a long time. Youngest brewer to the debut uh, since 20 years old, I should say. Youngest brewer under the age of 21. He was the last one to do it. Now, Yount was the youngest brewer to debut. He was still a teenager. But D'Amico was the last to debut before he was 21 years old. So he was 20 and a half. And if Churio makes his MLB debut this year, he will be only 20 years old. Uh, Bryce Terang, first Brewers position player to make his MLB debut on opening day since J.J. Hardy. Not to start. Not to appear later or anything like that. Started on opening day as a position player. Bryce Terang, J.J. Hardy, the last two to do it. Good company. Good company indeed. We'll take our last break and get ready to say goodnight as uh, we get ready to wrap up the program at the top of the hour on WTMJ. Last couple minutes of the show here on WTMJ. Thanks for joining us here on this Thursday evening, just a couple of days before the new year in 2024. That's the next time I'll be chatting with you. It'll be on January 10th. We'll be live once again on Wednesday night for Brewers Weekly. we got a couple of Bucks conflicts coming up. The next couple of weeks will be moved to Wednesday. January 10th will be our next live show. And I don't want to make any promises on the content, but we will be gathering either live or for podcast at Brewers Winter Warm-Up from the Miller High Life Theater on January 13th. So I will be there. I hope you will be there as well. Buy your tickets today at Brewers.com. We will be gathering or live or both. Uh, If we're live, it'll be available in podcast form after the fact, or we'll just be gathering audio for a longer edition of a podcast 
of uh, Brew All Access, where you can find all of our coverage here on WTMJ. So I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of uh, familiar faces once again uh, in two Saturdays' time as we kick off 2024, the best way we know how, at the Miller High Life Theater. So that'll be on Saturday. There's a kids' clinic on Sunday. That's already sold out, though. So excited to see some players interact with the young fans. And then uh, spring training begins in uh, just about a month and a half, you know, two months or so from the day, really, a month and a half from winter warm-up. The first game of spring training is February 24th. The Brewers will be in Peoria taking on the San Diego Padres, and then they are home in Maryvale against the Colorado Rockies on February 25th. And uh, I'll be back down here in the Valley of the Sun for all of that spring training coverage here on WTMJ. So after next week, again, no show next week. We're back on the 10th. Uh, a live Wednesday night show. Then we'll have the 13th, a show from Brewers Winter Warm-Up. And then we'll be back on Thursdays, really, for the foreseeable future for the rest of January. So can't wait to get you some more Brewer stuff as we're getting closer. We are getting closer. It'll be here before we know it. 55 days until opening day. It'll be here in the blink of an eye. Hey, I hope you have a very happy and safe new year here in 2024 amongst loved ones, friends, and family. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your 2023. I can't wait for more memories in 2024. My thanks to our producer, Matt Sossler. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next, next year, keep on swinging.